many different tasks are handled by your accounts payable team? Would you be surprised if I said that number was potentially 107? I know when I set out to make this list, and I'm one of the leading experts on accounts payable issues, I thought the number would be in the 60s. I'm going to list them all out for you. Now, obviously, unless I wanted to spend all day, and while I'm happy to do that, I don't think you'd be willing to listen to me go on about it. I'm not going to spend much time explaining each one. But we've made over 500 other videos on this channel on many of these topics. So grab a piece of paper and jot down uh, the topic of the item that you might want additional I uh, information on. And then when you finish watching this, check out the rest of our library. Now I've grouped the topics, so I'm not going to be hopefully jumping too much all over the place. The accounts payable process. Not really rapid scientist, but work, but okay. Task number one, opening and distributing the mail for the accounts payable team. Now, today, when we talk about opening and distributing the mail, we're not only talking about paper mail, but we're also talking about going into the email account for the accounts payable department. Many, many um, departments do have a separate accounts payable email address and then forwarding those emails to whoever's supposed to handle them. Task number two is processing invoices. Now, I just say that like la-di-da, it's not that much. As many of you know, it's very, very complicated. We've got a number of uh, uh, separate videos, separate talks on processing invoices and all the different features. But for now, for the purposes of this talk, it's just one item. Task number three, resolving discrepancies, okay? Uh, we don't just take invoices when they come in and pay them. We have to verify that they are accurate, usually using the three-way match. Yes, we've got videos on the three-way match. Make sure that they're accurate. If they are, then we set them up to be paid. But if they're not, those discrepancies have to be resolved. Task number four, actually paying those invoices. And because today in most uh, best practice organizations, there are a number of ways of paying. Um, it's not quite as simple as it might seem. You might pay with a check, you might pay with an ACH, uh, a credit card, um, possibly even a wire transfer, if that was appropriate. And of course, you also, um, as I'm going to discuss in task number five, you have to make sure that you don't make two payments. So today, we also have to weed out duplicate copies of invoices. In the past, this task was not a huge deal, but thanks to so many invoices coming in today by email, uh, suppliers are now sending multiple copies and it has become a huge issue. Um, I estimate that between 20 and 25% of all invoices that are sent are duplicates. So it's really important that you weed them out. And if the team, uh, even if the team is successful in weeding them out, it still involves a certain amount of work to identify them. It's not kind of a no brainer. Along the same lines, task number six, the team, the accounts payable team has to weed out fraudulent invoices. And I've got to tell you, crooks have gotten very good at submitting invoices that look legitimate. So this is um, a, not quite as easy as it might seem. Task number seven, I'm still focusing on those invoices, I'm dealing with invoices that are missing key information. Um, you wouldn't think it happens, but you'd be surprised how many invoices come in and they don't include the information that the processor needs in actual, to actually get the invoice processed. So they have to go back and follow up and, and that takes time also. Uh, task number eight, avoiding common mistake. Um, and so they need to periodically adjust their, what are considered standard practices so that mistake, certain mistakes aren't made over and over again. Once you start making a mistake over and over again, uh, the team needs to take a look at it 
or the manager needs to take a look at it and say, how can we adjust so we don't make this mistake over and over again? Task number nine is creating an accounts payable policy and procedures manual. Okay, these are quite complex and they're basically uh, your protection. Um, if, for example, if something happens to the whole accounts payable staff, you at least have a roadmap of how to operate. Um, it can also be used for um, other matters and that's why, um, as I said, other, other videos, I'm not going to talk too much about accounts payable policy and procedures manuals, except to say for task number 10, they need to update the, that accounts payable policy and procedures manual on a regular basis, because if that updating is not done, then in effect, you have just a worthless um, document because it's not, you don't know what's accurate and what's not. Task number 11, at the end of the month, the end of the year, the end of the quarter, when by the end of the year, I mean the fiscal year, um, your team, the accounts payable team has to uh, uh, calculate the accruals for accounts payable. And that is part of the bigger um, financial reporting that goes on. Task number 12 is to convince management to stop returning checks to requisitionists, to the people who requested the check, because this is a very weak practice that facilitates fraud. Now, in many, in some organizations, uh, it's a common practice. In other organizations, they recognize that it's not a good practice and it's not done at all. But inevitably, in most organizations, from time to time, there'll be some individual who has what they think is a good reason, but probably isn't, why they want that check returned to them. And there are many problems associated with it, um, and it facilitates fraud, so we don't want to do that. Task number 13, they have to deal with what I call conniving vendors. These are, are the suppliers who call up and they make claims that are not true. So they'll call up and they'll say something like, oh, Joe and Purchasing said you'd pay me early. Or uh, they will try and get the uh, accounts payable person to uh, second pay an invoice. Those are really conniving uh, vendors because they are, are fraudulent. The ones who are just trying to get you to pay early may be uh, having a little financial issues. Okay. Along the same lines, task number 14, they have to deal with employees who do not follow the rules and also who sometimes try and wiggle around and either get special treatment or get things that they're not entitled to. So they might, for example, have paid, told somebody that they would get paid um, faster. They may be playing games on their expense reports. They may be trying to get you to return a, a check to them so they can deliver it or God only knows, knows what. But dealing with these employees is not not a pleasant task. But task number 15 is to follow up on uncashed checks. Um, every organization should be doing this, uh, following up on uncashed checks, uh, because it can't, it, you're going to have to do it for unclaimed property reporting, but you also need to do it in order to um, have more accurate uh, accounting records, because maybe it was a duplicate payment, for example, and the uh, vendor who received it realized it was a duplicate and just tore it up and threw it out, but meanwhile, it's hanging out on your record. Uh, task number 16, uh, they have to handle the month end and the quarter end and the fiscal year end close, okay, and that always involves a little extra work. Task number 17 is they have to deal with one-time vendors um, which present unique problems because many organizations, especially if they have a lot of one-time vendors, don't want to set them up in the master vendor file. But then if you don't set them up in the master vendor file, it becomes more difficult uh, to determine if they were paid and you know there could be an increase in duplicate payments. 
um, with that. Task number 18, where they have to uh, handle the year-end close and they have to deal with all the year-end issues in the accounts payable department. And sometimes, you know, those are not pretty, especially when you're telling people um, that because your fiscal year-end is December 31st, uh, nobody can have uh, Christmas, the week between Christmas and New Year's off. That's always making you uh, popular. Task number 19, we're going to start looking at the master vendor file. Um, and the, the first task in this regard is setting up new vendors in the master vendor file. Um, and there are you know, rules that you have to follow in order to do this um, effectively and efficiently and not create further problems in the accounts payable. Task number 20 is cleansing the master vendor file. This is something that should be done on a very regular basis. Uh, but in many organizations, or not many, I don't want to say many, in some organizations it's not done. And then by not cleansing the master vendor file, you increase your chances of perhaps making a duplicate payment, uh, paying the wrong vendor, paying an inactive vendor, um, and also this can facilitate fraud. Uh, task number 21, uh, just because a vendor is set up in the master vendor file doesn't mean it's good for life. Uh, changes have to be made and your team needs to know how to, a, needs to make the changes and needs to be able to differentiate between legitimate requests for changes and changes that might be fraudulent might be coming from um, a crook, to be honest about it. Uh, task number 22, reconcile bank, bank statements. Affiliations should be done on a daily basis for fraud prevention or identifying unauthorized um, ACH debits against your account because you need you, know, you have a very limited amount of time when you can identify them and get the money back. Many places do that, but some of the organizations will leave it uh, till the end of the month. Uh, I think a more onerous task. So reconciling bank statements, whether it's done on a monthly basis or a daily basis, it still needs to be done. Task number 23 is uh, requesting supplier or vendor statements and looking on those statements to see if you have any open credit and then recovering those vendor credit so your organization gets the money that it is entitled to. Task number 24, they need to set up, um, and hopefully this only needs to be done once, but you need to stay on top of it, uh, a protocol for data entry, um, and then they need to make sure that everyone is using it. And then making sure that everyone is using it is an ongoing task you periodically have to check to make sure that none of your invoice processes, for example, have uh, stopped using that and have started using um, whatever shortcuts they have come up for. This uh, protocol for data entry um, should cover both invoice data entry and a master vendor file, and you want to have them the same. And again, you want to check to make sure that everybody's using them because if they don't use them, you end up, you increase your chances of uh, having a duplicate vendor in the master vendor file, and this can lead to duplicate payments. And duplicate payments can be made even if it's not a uh, duplicate in the master vendor file, if you're not uh, entering the data exactly the same. So, you know, that's one of those hidden tasks, but it's something that you need to do on an ongoing basis. Uh, task number 25, your team needs to understand and work with purchase orders. In accounts payable, they do the three-way match and the purchase order is one of those documents. And it's important that the team understand exactly what a purchase order is and how it compares to an invoice. Yes, we do just happen to have a video on that in the library. Uh, task number 26, the team needs to make best practice recommendations for process improvements across the whole procure to pay function. Now, in an ideal world, which none of us live, by the way, I'm sure you realize that, um, we would set up our best practices on day one and then we put, they'd be set in stone and 
you know, we'd be good to go. But alas, that's not the world we live in. New technology, new frauds, new regulatory requirements, all that is coming at us at the speed of light. And so therefore we have to continually make process improvements, adjust the way our best practices, because what worked yesterday may not work tomorrow and we wanna stay on top of it. I've kind of grows, uh, uh, glossed over, if you will, invoice processing, but it's a little bit more complicated than I, I've made it seem. So I wanna go into a little bit more detail on some of the functions around invoices. Task number 27 is convincing their suppliers to email invoices rather than put them in the mail and get that paper. But then when the supplier does email that invoice, they have to convince them to do it only once, not multiple times, because that creates extra work for the whole, uh, the whole team. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I believe about uh, 20 to 25% of the invoices being sent today are being are, are duplicates. So extra work to weed them out and of course if you don't weed them out they get paid twice that's even more more trouble task number 28 along the same lines is convincing suppliers who are sending multiple copies of the same invoice to stop um, you know and uh, it'd be nice if you could just call them up and tell them stop it um, and they would stop but it doesn't quite work that way and so this is one of those things that you have to stay on top of because people will stop and then somebody else will start or the person who was doing it leaves and a new person comes and then they think, oh, well, we'll just send multiple copies. That will help us get paid faster. Ooh. Task number 29, <laughs> handle all the duplicate invoices um, without adding staff, okay? Um, and so this is a, a huge undertaking. Um, in most organizations, they have, there's not been no recognition that uh, these duplicate invoices are coming in and you need to set up you know new protocols to identify them okay uh, because if you don't identify them you know they'll get paid twice task number 30 figure out who when an invoice shows out without uh, shows up without a purchase order number um, many organizations are still trying to figure out who uh, placed that order so that they know who, who to give it to and who will do the approvals we have by the way a, a video in the in the library on how to deal with this and how to completely eliminate this problem. So rather than me talk about it now, because some of you probably know how to do that, um, I'm gonna move on, but just tell you, you can check. Uh, task number 31, they need to know to how to handle items where the goods have been received, but not invoiced, or where they've received an invoice, but there's no receiving documents. They need to uh, deal with this on a regular basis, both, both ways. Task number 32, if you're doing business in most of Europe, Asia, Latin America, they need to stay on top of the rules for individual, all these individual companies regarding uh, mandatory electronic invoicing or invoicing mandates or electronic invoicing mandates, not only to stay on top of it, but comply with the new rules. This is something we do not have in the United States, but it's something that is going on in the rest of the world. And so we've not, to, we've got to stay on top of that. And by the way, even if you are not doing business in some of these places now, it's not a bad idea to have a, a basic understanding of what's going on. Once they've gotten th we've gotten through the invoice task, there's a lot more to be addressed. Before we turn our attention to the payment side of things, I'd like to request that if you're getting any value out of this, you hit the like or the thumbs up button to let both this channel and me know that this information is useful so that the information may be shared with more people and I should make more like it. And if you have hit that like button, a big thank you from me to you for doing this. Task number 33, determine the best payment mechanism for each supplier. This means the team has to have a good understanding of checks, ACH, 
card products, and there are a number of different card products, wire transfers, and more. And also understand that each country has its own payment rails. So if you're making uh, international payments, there's an additional challenge. This is a lot more difficult than it sounds. Um, I like to recommend that you pay each vendor with only one particular manner. Easier said than done. There's a lot going on there, even though I've only got it listed as one task. Task number 34, recognize funny or fraudulent emails. Um, especially those that are requesting funds that are supposedly like a rush-wide transfer request from the CEO or the CFO, um, and those that are uh, for change of bank account, uh, supposedly from a vendor. It's critical that they that the, the team understand what these fraudulent emails look like and they recognize them because if they don't, they will send money that was almost impossible to get back. Task number 35, administer the payment policy set up by management um, and these payment policies, by the way, are not always popular with recipients. A lot of times, for example, a company will make the decision that will be made at the you know, very high level that, okay, yes, our payment terms are 30 days, but now we're going to start paying in 45 days. And it's up to the accounts payable department to administer this policy. And then you know, suppliers are calling them and they're not happy. And you know, it, it's, not, it's not a pretty thing. It's not an easy thing. Task number 36, uh, there's always pressure for them to earn more early payment discounts. So this means to get invoices processed as quickly as possible, especially those that have early payment discounts so that the company can earn as much of that money back as possible because it's the best financial return any organization can get. Just to give you like a very rough frame of reference, 210 net 30, which is probably the, the one we're most familiar with, equates to a 36% rate of return, which most of us aren't getting on our money today, at least if we're in a legitimate business. Task number 37, they need to explain payments, your payment methods, um, to unhappy vendors, and they need to do this in a diplomatic manner. So it may be an extension of payment terms. It may be that uh, you took a, a discount because the uh, goods weren't up to, uh, up to snuff or something was broken um, or whatever. You didn't pay in full and the vendor is not happy and that they have to, usually it's left to the accounts payable team uh, to, who is the one who gets the call, like, why didn't you pay my whole invoice? And not a pretty, not a pretty time. Task number 38, they have to find duplicate payments, which unfortunately just about every organization will make at some time. They need to uh, ideally find them before the payments go out the door, but then there are certain uh, after the fact routines and analysis they can run to identify the duplicates and then hopefully recover them. And statement audits, by the way, are one way that they sometimes find this. So a lot of work. And again, it's not something that, 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 that you see on the face of it. Task number 39. Now, speaking of duplicate payments, um, while it's great if you recover them, an even better uh, stance is not to make them in the first place. So they have to continually be on the lookout for to identify and stop practices that lead to duplicate payment. And this is a lot of times easier said than done. Even after they identify the practice, sometimes you'll have somebody within the organization, especially somebody at a more senior level, who uh, is partial to that payment practice for whatever reason, and they don't want to stop it. So it's, it's a lot more complicated than I'm making it seem. Task number 40. They need to respond to vendor inquiries and vendor queries about timing and when it, where's my money. Now, some of these calls that they get, honestly, are just nuisance phone calls. You know, the vendor will call up, you know, um, did you get my invoice? Did you schedule my invoice for payment? When are you going to pay me? Uh, all these calls, you know, even if they're only a minute or two, and some of them are a lot longer than that, 
they take time and that time adds up and nobody or very few companies are adding people to uh, address those issues so they end up uh, having to you know spend a little bit of time on the phone um, addressing these issues with the with your suppliers task number 41 um, avoid late fees so they need to try and get payments made on time now a lot of organizations will take the stance that we never pay late fees and they don't but what you should be aware of even if you take that stance is that many of your suppliers will be keeping track of these late fees on your on your account and then when there's an open credit they'll use that open credit that you don't know about to uh, cover those late fees that they believe you owe them task number 42 uh, where appropriate and um, it's very appropriate today they need to recommend alternatives to paper checks uh, we are in a time frame now when companies are finally after many years of moving slowly in this direction we're becoming uh, we're, this, we're picking up a little speed uh, moving away from paper checks uh, during COVID we saw what a royal pain uh, paper checks were um, they were even harder to get out than they were in normal times and so the, the team needs to make recommendations do we want to put to push smaller payments to cards if the supplier will take a card payment and um, to ACH and it, it, it doesn't sound like much when I'm talking about it uh, but it is okay it can be a lot of work so after they make the recommendation okay we want to pay so-and-so this way then there's task number 43 they actually have to um, convince the vendor to take the ACH payment for example instead of checks certain uh, vendors are still reluctant to take ACH usually it has to do with a cash application issue or the issue of they don't want to give out their bank account but we're slowly um, evolving away from that I have to tell you you, you probably know if you're listening to this the United States is one of the few countries especially in the developed world that relies so heavily on paper check task number 44 they actually have to print the checks okay which can be a cumbersome process and sometimes or depending upon how you do it it can involve one or two or three uh, people now I like to recommend that this is something that you outsource because paper checks uh, banks do a pretty good job of printing paper checks and let's face it it's a non-value add check step number 44 task after they have printed the paper checks um, sometimes they are sent out for signing hope not, not too often but especially if it's a large dollar amount um, their feeling is sometimes is that they have to uh, have a manual signature on it so somebody's got to run it around and get the signature put on it um, in addition to that um, especially in a paper-based world there's a lot of filing that goes on backup we have to put it in the file we have to collate it to the check and then uncollate it etc task number 46 they need to take the checks to the mailroom or the post office most of the time it goes to the mailroom but occasionally some organizations actually take those checks directly to the post office they're not taking any chances task number 47 um, they actually have to collate the checks with the backup if the check is going out for signature uh, because in order to sign that the signer should be reviewing the backup to make sure that the check is correct because otherwise it's silly to have them put their signature on the check task number uh, 48 they actually have to walk the, the check around is a manual check step number 49 they need to follow up on on, on uncashed checks and the reason for this is it's required by states for due diligence when you're uh, unclaimed property reporting um, and I like to tell people to do it early because then you can do it using your own rules for how you do it and you don't have to follow the state's rigid rules because if you get to the point where you are reporting or remitting your unclaimed property the states have very rigid rules by the way 
One of the great things about ACH payments is it almost completely eliminates unclaimed property related to the accounts payable team. Not completely, because you know you never can say completely. Ask number 50, make disbursements from the petty cash box. I like to say if in Mary's ideal world, there would be no petty cash boxes, but I know that about 25% uh, of the companies out there still do have petty cash boxes, so um, sometimes this falls in accounts payable. Task number 51, um, other people in the company mess up, like they don't approve invoices until the very last minute. Sometimes the accounts payable department will be called upon to make rush payments. Now, while in an ideal world, you wouldn't make any rush payments because rush payments tend to have weak controls around them. The reality is we all live in the real world. Everybody makes a mistake occasionally. So you will have to have, make a rush payment from time to time. Your goal should be um, to minimize them. The next set of tasks revolves around the P-Card program. Task 52 is to administer a P-Card program. A P-Card, by the way, is a corporate procurement card. It's basically a company credit card uh, program, but not a travel card program. I want to make that clear. These are cards that are issued, that the company issues for, you know, operating. It. Task number 53, they have to cancel cards for departing employees. Most organizations are very good about getting those cards back, but they are not so good about canceling them with the bank and if you don't cancel them with the bank and you had a slick employee who wrote the the card number the expiration date and that magic three or four digit code down you could end up with uh, somebody making fraudulent transactions. Number 54, they need to can uh, monitor P-Card Act. So not only the activity, but they should be looking at inactive cards. They should be looking to see and if cards should be canceled. And uh, many organizations will get level three data, which helps them monitor for um, other things, including fraud. Task number 55, we talked about getting the card back. You need to get the card back from the employee. Well, it's not 100% necessary that you get the card back. If you don't get the card back you, you're still covered if you cancel the card with the with the bank but you know for completeness and so there can be no misunderstanding get the card back task number 56 um, they need to understand all the various different new types of cards that are coming out um, i like to say ach and cards are in a battle to get all that new activity that's coming off of paper checks but the banks are pretty creative they've been coming up with some new products and so they need to understand the products and then once they understand how the product operates they need to figure out hey is this appropriate for us would this work for us where would it work for us how much does it cost and then make recommendations or not Task number 57 is reconciling that petty cash box i have to tell you that's always a nightmare i've been responsible for them at several points during my career and inevitably when you have the petty cash box it will be out of balance not a lot of money, but you know, $5, $3, it's really annoying, okay? You waste a lot of time on all these little tasks. Uh, task number 58, the cash doesn't get into the petty cash backs miraculously. So on a periodic basis, after you've done your reconciliation, you need to replenish the petty cash box. And there's a whole process that you have to go through to do that because you actually need cash in the, in the petty cash box. Another reason I don't like it. Task number 59, if you're making payments internationally, you may be making them in foreign currency, and then you have to make arrangements to make these uh, transactions and also to get the currency converted from dollars to whatever the, transfer, the, the foreign currency is. Task number 60, if you're doing wire transfers, which some of you aren't, some of you aren't, it's important that you understand how the technology works, and then there's a whole separate system to set up to do your wire trend. Task number 61, and this is a new one, uh, the Federal Reserve has come up with a new product called FedNow. 
Um, it's the answer to instant payments. It's just come on the market. And so your, your accounts payable team is going to have to be studying this and determining it, where it fits into the scheme of things, if they want to use it, how they're going to use it, how they're going to make the payments, how it's going to integrate into your accounting system, your, the appropriate controls, etc. Now, you might think I'm finished now, but I'm just getting started. Um, fraudsters know that AP is responsible for making payments, and so in recent years, they've turned their attention on this group. Here are a few tasks that best practice accounts payable organizations take. Task number 62. They identify and try and avoid weak processes and procedures that facilitate fraud. Some of these things are rush checks, returning checks to requisitioners, having appropriate and not having appropriate separation of duties, etc. Task number 63, identify and thwart fraud attempts. Crooks continually will focus their attention on the accounts payable staff, trying to defraud them in all sorts of uh, different ways, however they can think to get their hands on your money. So the new verification procedures for verifying anything that is out of the ordinary, and this includes requests for rush wire transfers, requests for change of bank accounts, supposedly from suppliers who you are paying with ACA, changes in uh, drop shipment, anything out of the ordinary needs to be verified. And this verification does take a little bit of time. And you know, people will complain to me and they'll say, well, you know, uh, do we have to do this verification? Almost always when we call up, uh, it's a legitimate request and that is true. But the one time when you don't verify and you end up sending a million dollars to a criminal that you can't get back, it's not going to be fun trying to explain that to men. Uh, task number 64, they need to detect fraud attempts after the fact whether they were successful or not successful. Um, even if they were successful, you need to look at the fraud. What happened? Why did it happen? Where was the weakness? What change do we have to make in our processes so that this doesn't happen again? All this takes a lot of time and effort. Task number 65. They need to make best practice recommendations for prevention uh, tactics. Now, typically these involve strong internal controls and they might involve some additional tasks which will not make your accounts payable function more efficient, but you won't be losing, you know, like big chunks of money. So, you know, which would you rather have? Task number 66, they need to stay on top of new frauds because that's when criminals really reap the lion's share of their loot, if you will, with their new frauds is at the very beginning before people have had a chance to learn about what the fraud is and then adjust their procedures. That's one of the ways, by the way, at, the, at AP Now, we, we help the community. Whenever we hear of a new fraud, we make it our mission to uh, broadcast it um, on this channel and in other, other ways. So I love to hear from people so I can share the, share the word. And when you hear of something, you need to share it with your staff so that nobody else uh, falls for one of these horrible frauds. Accounts payable managers, on top of knowing everything we've already discussed, must effectively, effectively and efficiently handle staff. Um, which can be quite an undertaking in and of itself, okay? Uh, people management skills are, are what we call the soft skills are important, but we don't train, we teach about it. So task number 67 is just to manage the staff, manage the people end of things, um, and to keep the, the people uh, on a somewhat even keel so that the, uh, all the work gets done. Task number 68 involves hiring new staff 
from time to time people will leave and they'll have to be replaced or they'll be promoted ideally and they'll have to be replaced also sometimes your workflow will expand to the point where you need to add staff so uh, you know hiring a good person is a, a very special skill and um, you know one more skill that your uh, AP manager needs to obtain task number 69 and this one we don't we don't talk about enough and we really should and that is to motivate your staff to ensure a that uh, morale is high but also that there's no burnout we used to talk about it a little bit but we don't talk about it anymore and we need to start talking about what we can do to motivate staff and to keep morale high and uh, some managers are really good at this and they deserve you know a gold star and a big raise for it ask number 70 I've kind of alluded to the fact that there's a lot of change going on in accounts payable, new technology, new regulatory issues, and new frauds, for example. Um, and all this requires learning, learning new things, and more importantly, training the staff about this stuff on an ongoing basis. So whether it's training staff on an ongoing basis about the new stuff, or on the regular things that you're doing because you've moved people around within the department or you've hired somebody new, there's a big training component if you're an accounts payable manager. Task number 71, which is one that only a few of our listeners will have, but it's an important one if you have to do it. And that is if you're operating in a union shop on top of all the other things that we've discussed already, uh, the accounts payable team has to comply with the union rules for employees. So that can add another wrinkle into the whole management process of the accounts payable staff. Task number 72 is, um, I've alluded to a lot of new technology. Well, a lot of, you're gonna have a certain portion of your staff who's gonna be fearful about their job law, about a job loss thanks to the new technology or for whatever reason. And the accounts payable manager has to learn to effectively um, deal, with the, deal with this and you know, quell the, the fears that people have or give them the training that they need so that they, they won't lose their job. Along the same lines, task number 73 is they have to help uh, deal with the staff. They have to teach them about the new technology. They have to keep themselves up to date about what new technology is coming their way, um, all the stuff with AI, and then make sure that the staff knows what they're supposed to know about. Task number 74. They need to audit individual staff members to ensure that they are following the policies and procedures that are outlined in the accounts payable manual. By making sure that everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, they haven't introduced any shortcuts, this is a great way to weed out duplicate payments. Also, if the person has come up with a shortcut and it is a good one, then everybody should be using it. You need to educate everyone. Likely, um, what happens more frequently is when the, somebody on the staff comes up with a shortcut, it's a shortcut, all right. It makes their job go a little quicker, but it weakens control somewhere else or it makes somebody else's job more difficult. So um, you need to stay on top of that. Task number 75 is they need to benchmark staff performance to uh, see if anybody needs training, to see if anybody all of a sudden is falling down on the job. And most accounts payable departments will keep some basic uh, metrics on staff performance. Task number 76 is to select and calculate and report on appropriate KPIs. This might include some just some very basic information like how many invoices were processed, how many line items, uh, how many line items per processor, uh, how many payments did you make by check, by ACH, by wire transfer, by uh, P card. 
Um, those metrics become especially important if you're trying to move payments off of paper checks. So that data will become very important. Uh, task number 77, and that is they are usually tasked with hiding any cash that might be hidden in accounts payable. Uh, this might be early payment discounts that were not earned. This might be vendor credits that are lurking on some vendors' books, and there are other things. So while AAP is not a profit center, an expense center, not a profit center, there is a little bit of cash that they can get their hands on for the company and get it back. Task number 78, they are tasked with having to cut costs wherever can so that they can keep the expenses low and the company can be more profitable. Some stuff that can be done with this in analytics, but just generally looking at what you're spending on. Task number 79, they have to deal with unruly employees who are demanding money for inappropriate spend. So periodically from time to time, whether it's on an expense report or using a company P card, some you'll have an employee who will have um, bought something that clearly the company should not be paying for. And um, it's always a pleasant conversation when you have to tell the employee, no, they're not going to be reimbursed for that. Speaking of pleasant conversations, task number 80 involves delivering bad news to management. Uh, delivering good news, everybody's happy to do, but from time to time, there'll be bad news, like, oh, we had a fraud, oh, we made a duplicate payment, you know, our star employee is leaving, whatever it is, um, you'll have to, they have to deliver that news to management, and that's um, usually an unpleasant conversation. Task number 81, they have to work with purchasing, and sometimes they have to address suppliers who are trying to play game. And once you, it's been ascertained that it is the supplier, then there has to be a team effort with purchasing to address that issue and try and get it back under control without totally offending the supplier by you know, calling them out for what they're doing. Task number 82, they need to make recommendations to uh, purchasing based on analytics. AP's got a wealth of data that can be used and they can, for example, um, identify places where quantity discounts may be available. If instead of purchasing widget A from three or four different uh, suppliers, you purchase the majority of your widgets from supplier A, maybe with having supplier B as, as a backup. Number 83, they need to pull data uh, for special reports for uh, management and, and sometimes for other departments, uh, depending upon what the particular needs are of that individual. Task number 84, they have to respond to management inquiries for data. Um, a few uh, accounts payable managers have told me that their CFOs come to them anytime they want information about finances or payments um, rather than going to the finance team. Now, if all that isn't a load enough, more accounts payable departments are being tasked with the thankless job of administering the organization's expense reports. And this can be a real nightmare, as you'll see. Very, very large companies will have a separate unit to do expense reporting, but for most of the rest of us peasants, um, the responsibility ends up in accounts pay payable. So task number 85 is just processing expense reimbursement requests from employees who have traveled on company business and doing this in a timely manner. Uh, task number 86 is to remind travelers who normally put in for reimbursement to do so before the cutoff date, because if they don't, then they can't get reimbursed till the next payment run, and that sometimes leads to all sorts of unpleasant confrontations. So better to remind the staff, hey, get your expense reports in by Wednesday if you want to be reimbursed this payment cycle than to deal with the unpleasantness after the fact. Task number 87 related to this is if your organization is giving cash advances, which I hope you're not, 
um, then they have to handle the cash advances and the tracking of it and reviewing who got what and then recovering uh, the excess uh, in a timely manner. Another fun job. A task number 88, uh, reviewing expense requests, reimbursement requests to make sure that they comply with whatever policy the company has. Ideally, this would lie with the uh, person's manager the, who approved the expense report, but the reality is we know that most managers don't review expense reports, and so this is one more thing that falls on the shoulders of the accounts payable uh, department. Task number 89 to update the company annually whenever the IRS announces the new mileage reimbursement rate. This is, this is in the last few years, been the very end of December. And then also they need to keep on top of it. Just keep an eye open because several times in the last decade, when gas prices have skyrocketed during the summer, uh, the IRS has raised the reimbursement rate mid-year. So even though it normally only happens once a year, not, not always. It probably won't come as much surprise to you to learn that there's a lot of new technology out there and it's aimed directly at the accounts payable for function. So this is just one more thing on the plate of the accounts payable professional. So task number 90 is to learn about all this new technology, learn what it is, what it does, how it operates, at least at a very um, high level, and then uh, to try and figure out whether or not the organization is going to use this new technology. Task number 91 is related, and it's something I'm sure you were all hearing about, and that's to learn about and understand the new AI that's coming at us with the speed of light. At a very minimum at this point in the game, you're, uh, everyone should understand what ChatGPT is and how it works, and then some of us will be a little bit more advanced on the AI front. Task number 92, for those leading edge accounts payable professionals, they wanna understand what AI can do and how they can integrate it intelligently. Um, if it's applicable, there's a lot of bad apps out there and a lot of bad applications, but there are some uh, good ones and some things that work uh, pretty well. Uh, think about Google Maps, okay, if you use it for directions. Occasionally, you'll get a bad direction, but very, very occasionally, pretty good. But then some of the other stuff is not at the same level. Let's just leave it at that. And then task number 93 is to implement new technology. And pretty often this means it will be after they've had absolutely no say in what was purchased and then they implement the new technology, which means learn it and implement it. And then there's the regulatory component, which we haven't touched on at all yet, but I wanna take a brief look at it because it can be a huge part of someone's job depending upon what the, what the job is if they work in um, accounts payable. So task number 94 is to collect a W-9 from every new vendor and then keep it on, on file, okay? So you wanna uh, collect those W-9s, task number 95, which is issue 1099s each year. And in the accounts payable space, that's usually the 1099 MISC or the 1099 NEC. Um, I've got this as one line item and I'm talking about it for like 30 seconds, but trust me when I tell you it's a really complicated task. It's a big task, it changes every year. Um, it is a huge responsibility. So get those W-9s. Task number 96 is not only when you get those W-9s, when you get them, you need to run them through IRS TIN matching to ensure that they are accurate. Because if the name TIN match that they gave you is not accurate, then when you use that information to issue the 1099, you're gonna end up with a B notice that says you've got a name TIN mismatch. Better to find it out on your own and fix it because if the IRS finds out that you gave them you know, a bad uh, information, 
they're going to uh, come back to you. They're going to issue you a penalty notice and you're going to have to get it fixed anyway. So let's, let's do it right, um, right up front. Uh, task number 97, as I've kind of alluded to already, the rules around issuing 1099s change every year. And so your accounts payable team has to learn, get the latest updates and learn whatever the latest nu nuances are uh, regarding the reporting. Um, you should also be aware that there's a big push uh, to move up the deadline so your team will have less time uh, to work on this. So uh, don't underestimate what's involved. Task number 98, be aware that the states are starting to implement their own 1099 reporting requirements and your accounts payable staff will have to learn what the requirements are for each of the staffs where you are paying people and then comply with those requirements. So this is an area that I see expanding in the next few years. Task number 99, as I've already mentioned, uh, they have to deal with B notices. No matter how good your staff is, getting the W9s, running it through IRS, TIN matching, inevitably, um, even the best companies will end up with a few uh, mismatches. Um, they, they'll get a B notice, which is a penalty notice, and then they have to uh, get them resolved. But by running it through IRS TIN matching, you can greatly reduce that number. I had one of my readers send me a note telling me, um, good news, Mary, this year we got four uh, B notices. Last year we got 200. The only difference was we started using IRS TIN matching. So I encourage anyone who's not using it to start using it. Task number 100. Your staff is going to have to include, uh, do the due diligence required on all your data that's in your unclaimed property uh, reporting before it is filed with each of the state. This is just one small reason why um, I'm a big advocate of moving away from paper checks to ACH because you'll greatly, I don't want to say you'll completely eliminate all your unclaimed property reporting related to accounts payable, but you could come pretty close to it if you could get rid of the paper checks. Uh, so you really you want to stay on top of the paper checks um, and get those issues resolved because eventually you're going to have to turn that over to the state. Now, I know only about a third of everybody listening today will actually be doing unclaimed property reporting, but remember the states are getting better and better at finding people who are not complying because they're using all that technology also. Task 101, it's just to handle the unclaimed property reporting for the accounts payable items. There are 52 states. They all have 52 states. There are 50 states plus there's the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, a few other odds and ends who require this. Um, each of them have their own rules. It's a big to-do, so as much of it as you can eliminate is a good thing, but your folks will be doing uh, or often are doing the unclaimed property reporting. Task number 102 is I have administer your sales and use tax correctly on all payments. Again, I'm, I'm giving you a one-liner for something that can be um, a full job for, for some people. It is a lot more complicated than, than I'm making it sound. Task number 103, they need to be on the lookout for FCPA violations and make sure you don't pay them. This is the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Um, if you're doing business internationally, uh, you know, we have legislation that does not permit us to bribe a foreign government official. Now, sometimes when I talk about this, people in AP will say, I don't understand why you're talking to me about this. Um, we don't, you know, we certainly don't bribe uh, foreign government officials, and that is true. But your accounts payable staff, before they make that last payment, are the last set of eyes to see that money before you actually break the law and make the payment. Um, so you want to make sure they have some training in, in identifying potentially illegal payment. Task number 104, um, look for OFAC violations. And again, make sure you don't pay them. As you uh, probably are aware, 
uh, the U.S. government, there are certain entities, uh, terrorists and drug lords and other uh, specially designated nationals, SDNs, as the government likes to call them, who U.S. persons, which includes people like you and me, and U.S. organizations are not permitted to pay. And you need to check and make sure that you haven't uh, paid them. This is something that companies do not do a good job at, and we need to do a better job. At a very minimum, bare minimum, you should be checking every new vendor you set up against the OFAC list or the SDN list. Um, at the time, I know most people don't do it, but it's, let me tell you, if you get caught violating this, it is pretty ugly. And you may be thinking, well, of course we're not going to pay a terrorist or a drug lord. We, we, we don't do business with people like that. And I have to tell you, these guys are pretty slick and they are very good at covering their roots. You'll, if you look at the list, you'll see companies listed on there, things like the Bamboo Company, um, and when you find, by the way, when you get a, a violation, when you run it again, your payments against the OFAC list and you get a match and you're thinking, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to us, just realize that most of them are false positives. So, for example, you may have gotten the bamboo company, and but it's in a different country than the one where there was the terror. Task number 105, which is something that um, a, a decent number of you will have, and that is um, if you are doing business in any country where VAT payments are being required, you're going to have to calculate them. You're going to have to follow it. You're going to have to make sure that you get it uh, correctly. You're going to have to know. So you have to know a little bit about that. Task number 106, can you believe it? We're getting there, is if you were one of the 6,000 companies um, in the U.S. that are using what's referred to as conflict minerals, then you'll have to be doing the conflict mineral reporting, which goes to the SEC. Um, there was some talk under the Trump administration of eliminating this requirement, but that never happened. It just kind of was mentioned and then it was gone. And so that's 106, but I promised you 107. So the biggest task of all, I like to say, is if people want to continue to be gainfully employed, and I'm guessing if you listen to the listening to this, you do want to be gainfully employed. Folks need to continue learn about learning about everything that impacts the, the accounts payable function. Everything we've discussed plus a basic understanding of accounting, purchasing, treasury, receivables, new technology, fraud prevention, and whatever else comes down the pike. It's uh, an ever-expanding base of knowledge. We stand ready to help with that, producing new content for this channel several times a week. Um, you can watch our most current offering right now using the link that has appeared on your YouTube screen and is in the description. Good luck.